Hello and welcome to another special episode of Straight from the Hot Tap. In episode 17 we join forces with Taunton, Massachusetts. Clearly a couple of hundred years ago someone from Taunton was so deeply in love with the place they took a long and perilous sea journey to the new world to recreate the magic. Or maybe they wanted to undo all the mistakes of the original Taunton and try again without the terrible road layout and silk mills roundabout. Either way, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you find yourself turning into a Red Sox fan, please like, share, comment and tell your friends. If not, then why not give yourself a pistol whipping and head back to watching Love Island. I'm Matt. And I'm Luke. I'm John. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this is Straight Straight from the Hot Tap. When we first started doing Straight from the Hot Tap, we chose the place where we all grew up as our anchor point. The, the reason for that was if you get five guys on a call all with strong opinions and all with busy lives, the chances of staying focused on anything are pretty remote. So Taunton became our muse and over the last 16 episodes or so, we have taken great pleasure in rediscovering it, getting to know different aspects of the town and reflecting on our past it's kind of a strange muse actually because it's a place that i've spent my whole life trying to run away from <laughs> so getting to know it is kind of in a weird way it's been kind of a i don't know what an anti-muse is but taunton certainly has been my anti so an anti-muse but also it's brought out some affections and it's brought out some recollections of things that weren't quite so good. But the one thing I found interesting was that Taunton is not alone in the world. I've always found that interesting with you know, these places around the world that were ultimately outposts of the British Empire all those years ago and how they originated all from the same little sea and grew into places of that the are unique to their environment. So when I found there was a Taunton, Massachusetts... Just for our multitude of international listeners here, I'll just make a promise for the future that your hometown won't be explained as a former outpost of the British Empire. (laughs) No. So when the founding fathers landed on the American shores and they took a bit of Taunton with them, we'd hope it took a good part of Taunton. And not the kind of grim, shut down, East Reach, (laughs) you know, that horrible swimming pool that's always closed (laughs) with a parking lot where junkies congregate. Not that part of Taunton, more the kind of nice county stores. Friendly people. That part of Taunton. Yeah, absolutely. We hope that the carvery never made it across. Yeah, hopefully the carvery remained in Brexit Britain. Yeah. But the lovely houses near Stablegrove Road and the like beautiful Somerset scenery, Hestercombe Gardens, by the way, one of my favorite places in the world, Hestercombe. Shout out to my cousin, David Manning, who's just posted some great photos there where he went with his family. So that's what we were hoping we'd find. We'd hoping we'd find in Taunton, Minnesota and Taunton, Massachusetts. You know, Taunton in the outback of Australia and, and a few others that are, are yet to be discovered, we'd find that synergy. Those outposts of the good Taunton that we all dream truly <laughs> exists, and not the bad Taunton that we all fear is actually the reality. The kind of chip lane <laughs> mugging vomit on the King's Arms car park Taunton. Exactly. The Taunton exactly. of our nightmares. We wanted to find the Taunton of our dreams. Exactly. So when we finally found some people willing to talk to us, because obviously, you know, 
coming on a podcast of such repute is an intimidating thing for anybody. We found some guys over in Taunton, Massachusetts, willing to come on our show and tell us about it. Clearly, it was exciting for us. So we had a, a session with two guys, Tony and Brian from Taunton, Massachusetts, that gave us a behind the curtains, under the surface insight into Taunton in Massachusetts. And this you're about to find out. This is this episode. This is Straight From The Hot Tap, special guest interviews. I guess as an introduction, Brian and Tony, a massive thanks for, for joining us tonight. Uh, or rather, it, middle of the day, your time. I'm actually really excited about this because we started our podcast, well, about a year ago, uh, didn't we? We didn't actually release anything until, until January due, due to some editing nightmares. <laughs> um, but our podcast was based on a place in Somerset called Taunton, where we all grew up, apart from Louise, who was too busy at a highly prestigious boarding school in Cheshire, which is in the north of England, where she spent her days hunting and shooting and suppressing <laughs> the working classes. Um, so the rest of us were brought up in, in, in Somerset. And Somerset has taken on a bit of a folklorish place in our hearts. We're not from there. We went to school there. We, we don't work there. And in fact, some of us haven't been back for many years. But we use this place as our anchor point for our podcast. And the one thing I've always wanted to do since starting is join up the Tauntons. So when I realized there was a Taunton in Massachusetts and a Taunton in Minnesota, and there's a Taunton in the middle of nowhere in Australia, and there's one, I believe, somewhere in, uh, in Azerbaijan and probably one in China. So my dream's always been to join them all up. And this is the first step on that rather ridiculous and utterly pointless journey. When did, they, when did you first have this dream? This was my own dream. I haven't shared it with anybody. This is... I have a dream that one day... Yeah. You one day will join up with us all. I always knew you're a man of great vision. Oh, we, no. Matt, we've got you. You're here. Yeah. Excuse me, for the, <laughs> excuse me for the delay, as we say down here in Louisiana, where I am right now. Oh, you're in Louisiana? I'm in Louisiana right now, and it's oh, very, cool. very hot. Oh, I can, it's hot up here in Mass. You're in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah, well, down here, I've got the AC blasting. It's a, it's a comfy 90 degrees, maximum humidity. We've had thunderstorms for the last two days. You know what's funny about this is the way they say the town, the city, is just like how one of our guests on our show, who is from a different part of Massachusetts, says <laughs> our city. Taunton. Call it time. Can I just say, this is so interesting, because one of my, technically my second cousin, she's 25, and she's just moved to London. She lived in Bridgewater, and she went to school in Taunton, Massachusetts. And exactly, it's so funny, because we were talking about it, and she was, she was saying Taunton. That's, and it was interesting to hear that's how, how they pronounce it over there. And it's only our area. Like, like people from Taunton, we call it we, it's Taunton. And then, like I said, we were talking to a politician on our show, um, and he's from uh, Brookline, which is closer to Boston. And he called, he pronounced it the way that you guys pronounce it, like the Tauton. Like so it was just funny because when I heard you say it, I was like, oh, that's how Ben says it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You, you obviously get much more sort of um, qualified and salubrious guests. Uh, it's a politician. What do you call Kim Kardashian, for heaven's sake? Well, true, actually. <laughs> oh, and Prince William and Harry and frigging Meghan Markle. Oh. I mean, Jesus. More Prince Andrew than... 
I think really Prince Andrew was the biggest guest that I'm most proud of. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. the most proud of him. Did you get the King of Spain too? His good the King of Spain? No, because the King of Spain wasn't available because he was hiding in Dubai. Yeah. Okay. Do, you know who the King of, do you know who the King of Spain actually is? It's a guy yeah. called Ashley Giles. Oh, really? He's, uh, he's the greatest cricketer ever to play the game, All right. apparently. <laughs> So no, there's a, the, uh, you guys probably don't know about cricket, but it, it's basically like baseball but better. Ah, well, 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 well. Listen, which one of you United Tauntons here, Matt? <laughs> we are we are guests. You will treat us with the respect, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. But, hey, but I, I'm ready for the Euros, though. To be honest, right? Oh God, I don't know anything about them this year. To be honest, you guys talking about soccer? Yes. But actually, I I feel like I should jump in here and say maybe I shouldn't admit this to you guys, but I'm actually a Dodgers fan. Is that bad? Oh, that's not. That's not bad. Okay. Okay. You do live in Los Angeles. I think it, you know it's legitimate. You could get killed for saying that's the wrong person. How long have you been a Dodgers fan for? I mean, I've been a devoted Dodgers fan for about since 2015. Oh, okay. So, like, I remember we had we had um, uh, Manny Ramirez on our team on the oh, website, yeah. and we won our first couple seasons. And I know he went to the Dodgers, so I watched the Dodgers a lot when mm-hmm. he went there because he was one of my favorite players. They're good now. Yeah, you know they're good now. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of patriotic duty if you're from LA. That's true. Yeah. I live in my zip code is Dodgertown, USA. So it's huh. it's insane. It's so weird too, like sports teams like so being from Massachusetts and New England yeah, yeah. as a whole, especially someone in my age group, like me and Brian's age, it's so entrenched in our like society because we have the Celtics, we have uh the Red Sox, the Patriots, and the two yeah. decades we have been the most dominating city in sports. Even yeah. the revolution in the MLS. Yeah, to three MLS Cup finals with Steve Nichols. They went to three MLS Cup finals and lost. I mean Pretty much the Taunton Hotspur of the MLS, sadly. The Taunton Hotspur. <laughs> yeah. When I first got into soccer in like high school, I thought Tottenham Hotspur was in Taunton, England. <laughs> I I imagine like, oh, that. Another one. It's really interesting, like the, the the difference between US and British sports. I always thought this this should be a movie, right? So historically, in America, people used to play cricket, like in England. Right. Especially in the 1830s and 1840s, there was a big cricket league in the United States. But what happened was, by the time of the Civil War, baseball had taken over as the premium sport. And they found that uh, many of the Civil War soldiers on the northern side, they all had baseball cards. But it was the southerners who liked to play cricket because the southerners are culturally closer to England. So, so it was around the mid-1800s that the sports began to change. But like baseball is one of those sports that's basically equivalent to English cricket. Matt Beatty, would you agree with the last five days? I'm going to sort of opt out of this conversation because Because I I don't know enough about baseball and I know an awful lot about cricket. Well, they're similar, Matt. Yeah, okay. All right. I guess we're more like rugby. I guess our American football is like rugby would be the correct way to say it. Yeah. There is some similarities between rugby and, and American football. Although I've always been a bit concerned that the American footballers aren't tough enough, really, because they can't seem to get through a game without having to go on the field every five minutes or come off again and then wear a lot of equipment. But I don't know. Maybe that's because the game is much more difficult. I think with American football, the game is much more technical than rugby. I would even say baseball in America is having the same round where everything's like micromanaged. And it's not like, Mm. uh, you know, soccer, for example, where there's a substitution rule where there's only Mm. like three or in some leagues now, five substitutions. I'm not going to lie, Brian. 
listening to an American talking about football with way more knowledge and understanding than the, the majority of other the Brits on this call is pretty impressive. So apart from Johnny, we are a pretty piss poor selection of football fans. To be fair, Brian Brian is a rarity over here. I feel like Brian knows a lot about soccer. Like I play I play I play the the FIFA on my like Xbox, and that's the extent of how, what I know about it. And I have it on super easy because I don't really get the game that well. I just like running <laughs> around and scoring goals. Yeah, and just for comparison, like I'm the opposite. I'm the guy that plays football manager because FIFA is boring. And uh, <laughs> um, pretty much, like, no, I'm being honest with you. FIFA's just boring to me, unless it's like Ultimate Team, and I'm trying to. And once I we're, get a team full of 80s, I'm like, that, that, I'm done with. It. We're starting to get a gauge of of who you guys are now, like your characters. <laughs> you know, yeah, what makes you tick? So. Coming from a Portuguese family, you know, I mean, my grandfather's a sporting fan on my dad's side. My grandfather, on my dad's side, I think is a sporting fan, but his rest of his family's all Benfica fans. It's like really weird. Plus, you know, like. Us being Portuguese, like Ronaldo's, like literally, like Tom Brady of Portugal, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, pretty yeah. Much like you see more Ronaldo jerseys in Southeast Massachusetts than Brady jerseys at times, you know. Just saying. American football is is actually a really fast growing sport in the UK, and actually, they to to boost that they have um, sort of exhibition. Well, they're not actually exhibition games; they're actually part of the N. They're actually NFL league games that they come and well, when it's not COVID, they come and play them in. London in wet like Wembley or something, so it's kind of an interesting boost to to the sport here. But they're super popular as well. Those games. What I really wanted to do today is just get to know Taunton as a place in Massachusetts. Johnny, you're probably the person that lived in Taunton the longest in the UK. You know, how would you surmise it for an American audience? What it what Taunton and Somerset's like? Ooh, a lot of pressure here. I've got you know seventy thousand people listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. It's a provincial market town historically. The area is predominantly uh, agricultural industry, but increasingly it's the area where people might choose to live for quality of life purposes. So the, the population is, is sort of family age and then quite a lot of uh, older ages. There's no university, so a lot of uh, school leavers like ourselves tend not to hang around and then just tend to sort of revisit it on such nostalgia trips as this podcast. It's a town with some character, but it's also a town that is very similar to perhaps many other sort of similar sized market towns in uh, in the UK. It's also quite strongly characterized by Somerset yokel culture. So if you tell someone in, in, the, in other parts of the UK that you're from Taunton, uh, we are not particularly good examples of this for various reasons, but they will expect you to speak with a Somerset accent, which is a bit like this, you know, who are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all our Taunton listeners. But, uh, <laughs> point the point order, please. Yeah. Just to continue on theme, it's a very popular place to play cricket in, so um, and probably baseball as well. That's probably a snapshot of Taunton. I think that's a very good snapshot of Taunton. The thing that we've discovered through this podcast is our sort of love and hate relationship with it. So as the years have elapsed, we have a certain love for a place that we all desperately tried to escape as soon as we possibly could. You do. <laughs> <laughs> but now we love you dreaming hand. about it. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how would you describe your relationship with Taunton? Well, I mean, I, I look at Taunton as, I mean, look, Johnny did a great job of summing it up. I, I think that's totally fair. You know, I don't want to imply that I don't like Taunton that much. I just don't really feel that much nostalgia for it at all, because I feel like it was a place that I grew up in. And it's the kind of place that everybody eventually leaves. And if you don't leave it, there's kind of a problem. And so I always found it was a place that was like, I mean, I was 
physically desperate to get out of it. And even going back there recently, I thought to myself, I was actually right to want to leave this place. It's just not a terribly nice town. My big fear in life actually is ever having to live in Taunton. And it's a fear that I carry. <laughs> it literally, I carry it in my heart this moment. Matt, do you ever wake up at 2am in a cold sweat? And rather than being in Los Angeles, you're in Della's Wharf, it's 2am. And the one last girl on the dance floor has told you to go away. Is that, is that your Listen, biggest fear? I sometimes, <laughs> I sometimes wake up at 2am in a cold sweat. Actually, I do all the time because I'm a screenwriter. So our lives are not stable ones. I sometimes wake up and think, did I ever actually leave Taunton? Maybe I'm actually in bed at 42 years old in a house in Taunton. I stay with that fear for several minutes until I open the windows and I realize I made it out. Until your servant brings you some caviar. Until one of my assistants brings me some freshly squeezed OJ <laughs> and my itemized meeting list for the day ahead. And a top of Chico. And a top of Chico, a cup of coffee and a, that kind of thing. So it's no, it's a fear that lives with me constantly. So Taunton, Massachusetts, does that carry the same sense of fear and loathing as uh, Taunton, Somerset? I went to school, and I, so I grew up in Taunton, and then I went to school in Ohio. I ended up dropping out of school, going back to Taunton, and then I joined the army. I was stationed in South Carolina, Texas, and Hawaii. I always want to come back. I don't think Taunton is like the premier city by any means, but like it's where my home is, and I, I have no... Right now, I'm stuck living in a city called New Bedford, in Massachusetts because I work for um, the city, the city of New Bedford and there's a residency requirement, but like, I'm hoping they're going to lift the residency residency requirement so that I can go move back to time. I don't have, I don't share the same panic. Don't worry. I'm glad you don't, you don't share the same panic. It makes me happy. Brian, how about you? Yeah. I went to college in Boston and after we go to see, I'm a city kid. So like Taunton has kind of a good medium between like the boonies and, you know, normal city society. In my opinion, Taunton, Massachusetts, a lot like Massachusetts itself, is a place stuck in the past. People used to talk about Massachusetts as like this like high quality of life, everything else, and all the jobs. And But here's the thing, all the mills jobs, all the factory jobs that gave that everyone in this state worked are gone. So now it's like kind of weird. Like all the jobs in Massachusetts are in Boston. Yeah, it's something it yeah. was like something like 60% of the jobs in Massachusetts are all in Boston. percent yeah, as of 2020. Wow. What would be the typical Taunton, Massachusetts job? The city itself, followed by a medical group, Stewart Medical Group. They just bought a bunch of hospitals in Texas, actually. They've had a, a, a stronghold, so they're part of that community. FedEx has some big contracts around here. Amazon does a lot of work around here, so a lot of that. And the towns surrounding us are quite affluent in comparison to some of the other areas of the state, like New Bedford Fall River. But the further you go up, the more money you get until a certain. So Taunton has a nickname of the, the Silver City because we had we had two or three silver um, factories or, or um, the here. And even to the point where I think, um, yeah, I think even the Queen in England has like silver, uh, I think it's like a silver platter or a silver uh, silver or whatever that in an engraving on it says from Taunton, Massachusetts. She uh, gave it to Prince Andrew for his wedding present. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But like it, it, it was famous around the world. We, oh, wow. we had like in the White House there were some there's some silverware and stuff like that. Or, or I remember exactly what it is. Something made of silver that was made in Taunton, Massachusetts. We were famous for well, our silver. When mills. Calvin Coolidge was president, a lot of the the china that was made for the White House came from Reed Park. Wow. Wow, that's Coolidge, interesting. 
Yeah, Calvin Coolidge of the governor's house had a lot of stuff that was made in this era. He was president, wasn't he? Yes. He was president in 1921 after Warren G. Harding died of syphilis. By the way, can I? Can we just go on a detour and have a podcast about Warren G. Harding? He merits an entire... Do you guys know about Warren G. Harding? I've heard of Warren G. That, uh, no, no, let, let him say it. Yeah, yeah. So Warren G. Harding, US president uh, in the early 20s, he basically ran on a bring back morals campaign. So check it out. He brought in prohibition, banned the sale of alcohol. He was basically stood on a platform of restoring morality to the country. And this guy systematically had more extramarital affairs than almost any politician in the 20th century. And this, more and than this, Boris Johnson. Perhaps. And, and this culminated. <laughs> yeah, yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. Yes. This culminated in him actually hiding his mistress in the White House. Yeah, there's like tunnels or something, right, that were built for him to get in and out. There's a secret tunnel for Warren G. Harding's mistress to get into the White House. Let's be honest, those tunnels were used for other extramarital affairs for presidents in the future. You know, Kennedy was banging um, Monroe. Monroe, he definitely used yeah. Wow. And then you have Clinton, Clinton doing his things, FDR as well. But I always like Warren G. Harding because he kind of like set the stage for you, you're president and you have a mistress thing properly. You know? <laughs> him, and, him and Mr. Johnson, right? Mr. Johnson did a lot of damage. H- him and Boris. Yeah. Was, was yeah. his presidency called the G-Funk era? It was. <laughs> so, so there's a really great fact about Warren G. Harding that someone was about to say which I'm going to tell you on air. But yeah, basically, he was characterized as this, bit, as this incoming, like, moralizing influence. But he essentially is remembered for his numerous affairs, yeah, which I guess set the stage for people later. Yeah, he was famous for, um, what did he call his mistress? He called his um, penis um, a Johnson. A Johnson, that's oh, it. That's yeah. where he brought it in. That's just because of Warren G. Harding. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Anyway, if you want to read about a, about a corrupt politician, read about Warren G. Harding because it's it's so interesting. That's amazing. As the summer holidays approach and the dream of Mediterranean sun and cold sangria still seems wrapped in COVID uncertainty, why not head to the Jewel and the English Crown instead? The Isle of Wight's stunning beaches and warm, sunny climate compared to any tropical island. Allow Whitelink to ruin your life by draining your bank account and will to live this summer with their third world service for premium prices. For the price of a mini cruise on a five-star ocean liner, you can have your sailing time rescheduled to the minute's notice. Our staff are trained by the very best the East Berlin Politburo has to offer. We understand that problems can happen, so our third world-class customer service will ensure that if you're a minute late, your holiday will be ruined by our premium rate call centre rebooking your crossing free of charge for the middle of the night. Sit back, relax and watch our overproduced Hollywood quality safety videos on state-of-the-art widescreen TVs whilst drinking a cup of extremely expensive coffee freshly brewed for your enjoyment three days ago. Whitelink will ensure that the 45-minute crossing to the Isle of Wight is an experience you'll never forget. Like fleeing from Syria on an inflatable flamingo, whilst having your life savings siphoned into the offshore bank account of a gang of people smugglers. Whitelink, proud to be the worst company in the world. So who founded Taunton, Massachusetts? Do you actually know who laid the first stone? So there is a story that I know isn't real, but it's like the story that's been passed around. 
um, a woman named Elizabeth Pohl came to ta- the area of Taunton and bought the land that became Taunton from the Indians for a dagger and two dogs. And so the realistic story, I, I forgot the actual guy's name. I think it's Dean was the guy's last name, was actually the person that bought it. Elizabeth Pohl had a lot to do with setting up the infrastructure, and that's kind of where she got the, that's why she kind of got her popularity. The elementary school I went to was called Elizabeth Pohl School. And we had a giant picture of her, and it's a it's a painted picture of her holding a dagger with two dogs, and that's kind of where the story came from. Maybe she was a bit like you, Lou, and she was using the, the dagger to kill the two dogs. Is it possible? <laughs> she was a, yeah, a, a, do, a dog hater. And we actually, so it was funny, um, they were doing, this was, this was probably a hundred years ago, they were doing some renovation around, um, around the, the center of town, and they dug up a grave and found a body, and it was the body of Elizabeth Pohl. So we actually know her. So they took her and they put her in a, a burial site that's up the that's up the street. So we actually still have her gravestone where her body is. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. that's uh, that's interesting. Right wow. back to the very first Tauntonian from Massachusetts. So was she was she from um, was she from the West Country? Was yeah. she an immigrant from the UK? I think so. Again, I think I think the actual person that came over from England, their last name was Dean. But I couldn't. I couldn't quote you completely. I- was he called? Were they called Taunton Dean? <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, you know what? There might be some truth in that because in Taunton, Somerset, it's called Taunton Dean. Taunton Dean Borough Council, isn't it? So the area is called Taunton Dean. That's interesting. So it's probably the same person. I've been around the country, uh, America, and I, I've realized, this, like slowly but surely, that like Americans are very unoriginal. Very people will pack up and walk. 100 miles and settle down and be like, oh, all right, well, I came from Taunton, so now this is new Taunton. All I can imagine is, like, in some places that, like, there was, like, an old prospector who, like, took off and was like, all right, you know, I came from Newton. I'm going to call this place Newton and no one's going to find out because they're 100 miles away. They can't talk. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then we now get to the age of information where there's, like, seven freaking Newtons, a couple different Tauntons. There's Bedford, New Bedford. New New Bedford. And there's also a Somerset <laughs> Mass, which is near us too. So yeah. That's interesting when you mentioned that earlier. One of the only things that, that's bearable about being from Taunton is that you're not from Bridgewater. So we were looking for some reviews of the Taunton, Massachusetts area, and we found the Greyhound Tavern. But really? it's actually, yeah. So Tony and, and Brian, the, the Greyhound pub in Somerset has become a, a totem uh, pole for our podcast. It's the sort of place we, we find ourselves coming back to on every podcast as a sort of metaphor for all the things that are terrible about modern life in the UK. So I thought, is there a Greyhound pub in Taunton, Massachusetts? But no, there's one in Bridgewater, the Greyhound Tavern. Apparently it's not very there's good. A Greyhound, there's a Greyhound liquor store too, actually, in Rainham. Amazing. Well, I think the owner of the Taunton pub in, in Staple Fitzpain has also got some connection to the Greyhound Tavern in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. The, the review that I picked up earlier was entitled Worst Customer Service Ever. <laughs> so the, I'll read it to you. We ordered the towering cocktail there and it was full with fruit flies. And we told the waitress oh. about it. She took the drink back. When she returned, she told us she would not wave the drink off the bill. And if we wanted another drink, she would charge us for it. And then she brought the drink back, still loaded with fruit flies. So don't order there. And also don't order the stir fry, apparently. The stir fry is trash. Has it got, has it got fruit flies to Kenny. It has. Kenny from um, Massachusetts went to the Greyhound Tavern, and that's the experience he had. So in Taunton, Massachusetts, what's a good day out? So what would be your, the perfect day out? So you get up in the morning, nice sunny day, off you go. 
what's your day looking like? So, yeah, I'll leave. Get on the interstate and leave. You either can go west to Providence, go east to Plymouth, go south east to Cape Cod, or go north to Boston. You don't want to do anything around Taunt is dead in the middle of Boston, the Cape, and Providence. It's funny because, like, Taunton is Taunton is the largest landmass city in Massachusetts, but we like just barely have enough people to be a city. So it's actually it almost feels like a town. Uh, houses are spread apart. It's almost like living in like we call it Rainham as the town that's right next door. But you're in a city, so you have the benefits of all like the city kind of like benefits towards that. But you also have that small town feel. But yeah, like growing up, we we had a mall um, that actually just got torn down a couple uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. Here, yeah. Taunton used to be a place that like a lot of things happened. There's a place in Taunton called uh, Hong Hong City that used to be like a uh, it was like a nightclub, and before that it was like a dance hall. And they would have like famous musicians, uh, Aerosmith. Oh yeah, Aerosmith, Aerosmith yeah. played there. Like it was an actual place. Like I think you know the family got old and they sold it off to people that now create the Hong Hong City. So like there's really not a lot. And me and me and Brian have talked about this before because uh, for the last like five years there's been a battle going on. Um, about a casino in Taunton. So, like ten years ago, Taunton approved. I mean, um, the city, uh, the state of Massachusetts approved for there to be gambling in the state, and they sanctioned like four, um, four licenses. There was a whole process with um a Native American group called the um Wampanoag from the Mashpee Wampanoag, and they were the ones that were going to build this casino. And they were all set to go. The city voted on it. They made a deal with the city of how everything was going to work out, and then. Three families in East Taunton sued, and they're basically winning the fight right now. And they're suing off the basis of we have a law in, in the country that when the law was created, any Native American tribe that was recognized by the federal government was allowed to get land in trust. The Mashapee Wampanoags only got um, recognized in 2008. So they technically were not recognized at the time of the law was signed so they're not protected under, they don't get the benefits of it so that's what they sued upon and they won but it's also kind of garbage because this tribe is the one is on mashpee which is on the cape this is the tribe that like we sat down and had thanksgiving with the first thanksgiving with and now we're saying hey you can't build a casino there because we didn't see we didn't recognize you as a tribe 50 years ago and keep in mind too like i mean i don't know if you guys follow like american sports like that i mean all the talk recently has been well Boston sports fans, the most racist and ignorant fans in America. Here's the thing, that part falls into it. It may not be a sports story, but that attitude and that sentiment that other people around the country feel is exactly what that casino story is. It's just another layer on top of all the issues that have already been going on sociologically in in the Massachusetts area. It's a big issue. It's not so much a conservative American issue. I think most conservatives on the national front in America are a little bit more forward thinking because I think the libertarians are finally infiltrated the Republican Party. On the other front side, you still have the authoritarian wing, the, the authoritarian minded people that go, well, I want people to live the way that I think they should live. And there's a lot of that in Taunton. And, that, and that's what those three families are. They're basically pushing their agenda on everybody else, despite the fact 61% of the city voted in favor of the casino. It's, it's almost a microcosm of what's happening in both our countries at the same time. Because in England, it's the exact same. Because there are a lot of people who are trying to tell other people the way that they think that they should live, because that's the way it worked in the past. It feels very similar to what the kind of national conflict is over there politically. It's the original white British citizen 
anyone else that doesn't look like us or talk like us or you know respects the country the way they do is a foreigner and they deserve like we had a guy that we did a podcast with and you know, i won't go into his whole name and all that he's a conservative guy so me I, i'm a very liberal louis uh, brian's kind of like more in the middle than where i am and this guy was kind of far far yeah. right and it just got worse and worse he started getting more racist he started getting like more mouthy to the point where like he went onto a black lives matter group and said hey you know before you guys go right there make sure you drink up so you don't become baboons oh like, my god monkeys like, that's like that's that. like the, the, the story that thierry Henry would would share about how like the way that visiting fans would treat him when he when arsenal would visit he basically told me that all liberals should be rounded up and arrested or shot and mm. killed for treason and i'm like motherfucker like i'm a soldier like i'm 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 a retired You're uh, a veteran yeah i'm a veteran i got out of the yeah. army this kid sat, you know, this kid's one of those people like, oh, I would have joined the army, but I had this problem or this and that. And it's like, well, the army has waivers. You know what I mean? But for him to sit there and not do anything with his life like that and turn around and look at me and call me a fucking traitor to my country because I believe in socialized medicine is, is fucking outrageous. Yeah. Does your area break down as a kind of a, a Trump supporting area or is it more of a liberal area? More Republican than the rest of the state. Yeah, but when the last election, every district that voted went blue. So, like, if you look at a map of, like, the, the political map of the election, like, the entire state is blue. But we have a KKK chapter in um, the next, like, the next town over from Taunton. We have people, like, in Plymouth. Plymouth is super conservative. There's, like, there's, they yeah, always most have, of, like, Most of Plymouth County. Yeah. There's one in, Sw there's one in Somerset, I think, is a Trump store. Yeah, like, Trump lost the there. election. He's not president anymore, and they're still selling Trump-like stuff. And like, it's just, it's just crazy that dude, it's a cult. It is an absolute cult. He's a guy that basically represents what he claims to hate. You know, the, the, so the conservative right likes to say like, Hey, you know, liberals don't believe in freedom. They don't believe in free thought. The same struggle is basically being waged in, in England and, and in other countries too, you know, in Turkey, in Spain. I mean, in all these different countries, we're all going through this moment where people looking to the past for answers versus people looking to the future for answers. I mean, for most Europeans, and I know, and I have family, and I have friends that have family that, you know, obviously moved here because of events that happened in Europe over the last 115 years or so. But we're not that far removed from them. There are still some parts of France and Belgium, from what I was told from other people that have been over there, there's been no grass, no trees that have grown in those war fields since, and it's been 100 years. I mean, even if World War II seems like ages ago, it really doesn't when you really think of the grand scheme of things. So I just feel like people have a different sentiment towards different things. But I also feel like the, way, the same way it was in the turn of the 20th century, the old Bismarck, uh, not the exact quote, but Bismarck, I remember saying this before he died and about Kaiser Wilhelm going, when you haven't been through it, you don't know it until it hits you. It's really interesting. You know, and I funny. guess that was it's... when he was talking about war, predicting Germany's demise. Unless the odds are in your favor, you're really gambling. So in the field that I'm in, being on an ambulance, like I deal with a lot of elderly population, and I'm like looking at their like IDs, and I'm like, oh, you were born in like 1941. You're old enough to remember the Civil, uh, remember World War II. Like, you know, you might not have been an adult yet, but like, holy crap! Like, that's someone who lived through those times and like learned about World War II as it was happening like and it's like so like that kind of that kind of always like like grounds me it's like oh i'm like i'm talking to an 80 year old who like who who was there for like who was there for it and like remembered all these things and went through the cold war and had to hide under their desks because you know they might get bombed or yeah and also their opinion still matters you know they're still part of um 
you know, wider society. You know what I mean? So we, we could obviously look to the future, which is super important. But I think you can also learn quite a bit from the past. I think America in general suffers an education problem. The whole idea of our democracy and like the, the constitution, like it was supposed to be this grand experiment in democracy, right? Like that's how it's always labeled and pictured to us. And, but like, to me, the, the, it's the only way it works, the experiment works is if everyone's educated and everyone knows what's going on and people don't like, not only are socialists and communists, two different things, Bernie Sanders isn't either one of those things. And Biden sure the fuck yeah. isn't. You know what the greatest president in U.S. history said? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Didn't he say the best protection for a democracy is a well-educated population? Yeah, I mean, even look at Rome. Even if you go back far enough in history, right, you look at the Romans. They were a republic. And then what? They tried to assassinate Caesar, and then Augustus became emperor. And that was the end of that. And that might have been what ultimately led to their demise. Well, I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of hard to say when they went for another thousands years later. And if you consider the Western Empire... Um, I mean, the Eastern Empire, they, they went all the way up into the medieval time. So, you know, we've had these sort of discussions in, our, in the podcast previously. But I mean, I think I don't think this problem is just like in America, for example. I and mean, we're talking about, I think, wider society here. It, it feels like it's just getting dumber and dumber. Every time you want to find some information, you just look it up. You don't remember it. You don't have to remember it. You, you know, you, you don't have to learn stuff. You can just look it up and hope that that information is correct. But obviously that's when the digital side of it comes in and, and provides us with a whole lot of incorrect information that can mold us in any way they want. And that certainly applies to, to people who haven't learned, let's say an old fashioned way, like reading stuff. The problem is, is what happened in society is that we transitioned from an age of learned information to an age, to an age of getting information online when you need it. But the problem is, is that over the last few years, people have taken advantage of the internet to change the information that you're getting online to make it influenced by opinion. So you've got all these people saying Bernie Sanders is a communist because they've read it online or been told it. The same over in the UK, people probably think Jeremy Corbyn is a communist agent, you know? And even then, those same Trump people didn't, you know, they didn't even realize that like Trump was being depicted. Trump was being antagonized the same way that they were antagonizing other people sensationalism totally. is modern day media the other thing going back to the education thing is like, like I, I get what you're saying with the connection between like we're moving from away from like a, an age of enlightenment to an age of technology i think the other thing too is our economies are, are pushing it too right the idea of we're getting dumber and dumber well i would disagree it depends on it depends on what you're looking at right you you judge a fish about how well it can climb a tree it's going to fail every time our economy is pushing us to learn more and more technical like specialized things so people when, you know, they go to college and they go, oh yeah, we're going to do a well-rounded education, but they're really not. They're just, they're, they're banging out their prereqs, not really caring, and then specializing in their fields. The idea of history and, and government and civics, like that goes out of the wayside because there isn't many jobs in those kind of fields. So like they don't need to know those things to do those jobs. But the problem is, is you're sacrificing a well-rounded education where they understand the difference between a socialist and a communist or the left and the right and, you know, how to check your sources. Well, Tony, before you guys trample off, I have to. Uh, I have other um, prior engagements, but it's been a pleasure for you guys to have me on. Brian, listen, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, it's been really good to, to hear your insight and get a voice from over the pond a little bit as well. And your knowledge of soccer has, has certainly put me to shame. I was going to chip in with some nuggets of my own expert knowledge of baseball. Then I realized that I didn't know anything about that either. So I just kept quiet. Brian, listen, thanks for joining us. Before you go, I just want to finish a thought we all had earlier on. Is you remember, you remember Warren G. Harding called it his Johnson. 
Well, he called the other thing Mrs. Putterson. <laughs> and, and according to Politico, they regularly had sex in a White House closet. Tony, we, we had a little chat over email about the concept of Taunts and Matters. So th- one of the segments we have on our podcast is where uh, Josh trawls dark recesses of a community Facebook site called Taunts and Matters and pulls out the dark underbelly of Taunton society. I'm not going to lie to you, Tony. This shit is crazy. You've got people trying to buy hay bales. You've got people trying to get passport-sized photos done in photo booths. You've got people filling trolleys or shopping carts with litter they've collected from inside canals. This, this place is a, is a hotbed of the most salacious nonsense that you'll ever hear come out of a British town. So I task you to, to do the same for Massachusetts. So I'm pretty confident that, you know, you've come up with something even more extreme. All the way from the gun-toting, Trump-voting, silver-manufacturing, baseball-playing, mean streets of Massachusetts, this is Tart Matters. So it was a couple months ago, I think it was like December. It was like 10 o'clock at night. It's dark out and everything, right? There was three kids from Rainham, which is the next town over. They were hanging out on a street. I think that one of their friends lived there and they're in the car and one had to pee. So what do you do? You know, you're, you're, you're outside. Everything's COVID. So everything's shut down. What do you do? Well, you find a dark place and you take piss. So this kid got out of his car, walked over to a fence in like a dark area and tried to take a piss. As he's doing it, the owner of the house that was on the other side of the fence that he was peeing on came home. Kid was like, ah, fuck me. Like, let me go apologize. Cause like, you know, this is fucked up what I'm doing, but like I had to go. So he goes walking over to the, the guy, the guy's getting out of his truck and he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I just, I had to go. This guy loses his shit. Dude hits him, pushes him against the fence, pulls out a pistol, pistol whips him. The kid gets away, gets into his buddy's car. The guy runs up to the car, starts smacking the side of the car with his pistol. The whole time, the guy's yelling racial slurs, like calling them, <laughs> dropping, dropping N-words, but the kid's a white kid. Like, <laughs> it could only have kids, happened in Taunton. The kids drive away. Right now, when I say kids, they're like 18, 19-year-old. And they drive up the street, and they call 911. So the cops show up. The cops take all three kids, separate them, ask all of them what happens. They all say the same thing. So the cop goes, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to the homeowner. So he drives down the street, knocks on the door. The guy opens the door, obviously drunk. So the cop wrote in the story that he was, he was definitely drunk. The pistol was sitting on the, ta- the kitchen table, exactly how they described it. Guy got arrested for assault and battery, and you know he's probably going to lose his gun. And he got hit with a hate crime as well. The story breaks and it gets put on. Uh, we call it improving taunt. Politically, we look at these. We look at those people. I'm like, to me, that's a conservative person. Like, I can just tell that that person voted for Trump. And of course, I was right having the conversations with people. So, like, you have all these Trump supporting people who are coming on the comments that are like, "Oh, why is he getting hit with a hate crime just because this guy said he said the bad word or whatever?" And they're like, and why isn't that guy being charged as a pedophile? <laughs> and so, like, how do you sit there and read that story and go, yeah, but fuck that kid. You know what I mean? Like, this dude beat the shit out of him and pistol up the kid for pissing on the fence. 
And all these people are like, all these people are like, oh, what if, what if their kids were in the window? And they're like, it's 10 o'clock at night. And he pissed on a fence in a secret. Like, it wasn't like he was walking downtown at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon with his dick out pissing everywhere. It's crazy, isn't it? So people are like, oh, this guy should be a pedophile. And if it was me, I would have shot him and this and that. I'm just reading these comments like, bro, what is wrong with these people? That must sound nuts to you because you guys don't have the same kind of gun issues that we do, right? Yeah, definitely not. We're used to people reaching out for window cleaners and stuff. We're not used to threats of death and massive political discussion over somebody taking a piss after you know getting caught short. So this one guy writes, and it's an older dude, and he was like, you know... These kids today, you know, whipping their dicks out anywhere and blah, 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 blah. You know, these people should have taught you how to be a real man and blah, 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 blah. And this dude's like 60 years old. And I'm like, all right, I'm a smart ass. Let me see what I can do to piss this guy off. I'm like, oh, because we all know that you've never been there. I'm like, you know, if you ever need to take a piss at 10 o'clock at night and nothing's open, you'll be the, you'll be a real gentleman and piss your pants, right? And then the guy writes back, he goes, well, I wear diapers. He keeps a pistol tucked in the back of his diaper. that's the taunton way there was this other guy who was like oh you know he was a younger dude looking back at now i think he probably has some like mental issues and i probably shouldn't have picked on him the way that i did but he goes you know you know he should have been charged as a pedophile you know i you know i'm afraid when i take a piss anywhere that like even in my house that i'm gonna be i'm gonna be hit as a pedophile i wrote back to the guy and i was like you know never in my life have i ever had to question if i'm a pedophile or not i'm like the fact that you're that worried about it i kind of think you're a pedophile (laughs) yeah if you're concerned you're a pedophile it probably means you are a pedophile you probably are one So he writes back to me. He goes, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't play with that shit. We can meet up, and I'll fuck you up, and blah blah blah." I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. You're probably gonna pedophile me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, he was so mad, and then and then I got blocked because people get their feelings hurt. There was this one woman who was like, "Oh, you know what? You know, you're just gonna believe that it was a hate crime because because the black kid said he said bad words or whatever." And I'm like, well, it's a hate crime because he was dropping n bombs as he was beating the shit out of this kid with a pistol. <laughs> So basically, your your card's marked, Tony, is it? So you know, you walk down Taunton High Street on a Saturday night, you've got to watch out for a pistol whipping. Yeah, it's real like that it sometimes. So you can have these conversations with different ideologies and actually have a productive conversation. But then you have like the Trumpettes who are just regurgitating what they're hearing online on your other Fox News or Newsmax or whatever. And it's just so funny to watch them get into a debate with because you watch them change the subject. Like, oh, they say this and they're like, well, what about that? And they're like, well, what about this? And then, like, change the subject and keep moving and keep moving. And be like, all right, well, I've won this argument. If you just keep circling around stupid shit, then I win. Tony, you know, I do fear, I feel like, you know, one of these days that these little jibes are going to land you in a whole whole world of pistol whipping pain. I think you're carrying some heat, packing some heat over there in your diaper. Because, you know, shit's, <laughs> shit's going to get real. Can get these- real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a liberal who loves guns because... Typically, the liberal stance is like anti-Second Amendment, and I'm not. You know, the Second Amendment was meant there to stop tyranny. I think that should stay. I do believe in, like, gun control, but I don't think we should get rid of the Second Amendment. I, I don't agree with banning guns. Is that because you just like guns? We've got this belief that the Americans, they, they, you know, they go on about the Second Amendment because they just love guns. But I can understand that. You know, I'd love to have a gun. Yes, I like guns. That's the first and foremost, right? But I wouldn't say that that's the whole reason because I like guns, but I don't have any. I'm actually super conservative when it comes to the guns. I think that whatever anything the U.S. military has, I should be able to buy if I can 
you know, if it's regulated and I can, I can house whatever it is. Like realistically, if I can have a tank, I should be able to, if I can buy a tank and house it correctly, I should be able to have a tank in my house. Because I think that the second amendment was put in place to stop a tyrannical government with an army or another government from coming in and taking over the country. Do I think that's a real reality of actually happening anytime soon? No. I find with Americans that you guys seem to sort of fear the bogeyman a lot. So in this country, right, we've obviously faced invasion relatively recently compared to some countries and i generally don't kind of go to bed at night worrying about getting invaded by communists or something bad happening and yet when i hear sort of people in america talking about home security and politics and all the rest of it it seems as if there's a genuine deep-rooted anxiety about civil war or militia or you know dodgy governments do you know what i mean it seems like it's very a big part of your psyche for some people, I think it is like they're like you know you listen to some people who want no regulations. They don't want anyone knowing what kind of guns they have in their house. Like those people, I would agree with you have that kind of anxiety or fear. I don't like stay up at night thinking like oh my god the government's going to come knock on my door and, and you know take everything from me. That being said, there is there's actual precedent of you know the fact that U.S. has all these guns that's kept us out of a lot of trouble. During World War II, Japan was thinking of an invasion into the U.S. And they decided against it because there's a gun hiding behind every blade of grass in America. If they actually did try to evade us, you might beat the army, but you're not going to beat the citizens. You know. And then the other argument people make is like, oh, well, what are you going to do with your rifle versus a tank? Well, look what's going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, these are, those are uneducated, un, really unorganized people like, compared to the U.S. Army that saying like they're not trained like the u.s army is yet they're giving us a hard fucking time they're not losing like they are but they're not you know what i mean so like there is precedent of like small groups being able to fight off a massive army even in modern day interesting question johnny and josh what what would you say are the greatest threats to to us as british people right now misinformation yeah that's a massive one. That's a threat to everybody. Gaslighting and insidious messaging just moves huge swathes of population into weird areas and you get odd changes of government and huge landslides and, and odd things. You get power unchecked. You get too much power on one side. It's very dangerous. You made the comment about like in fear of civil war. I am in fear of civil war. Like, I think that civil war in the US is, is something that might possibly happen in my lifetime because like and again it goes back to the misinformation like there are there are people in this country who would want to round me up and shoot me because i believe in single-payer health care like it's simple as that like i i want free college and free health care for everyone and they're they want to kill me for it that's how close to civil war we are like if you can't you can't function as a society with people with a, a large group of people thinking that way i, I was you know, always amazed when i worked for an american company i worked overseas and was on assignment with an american company and so i knew a lot of American nationals and stuff, and I was amazed, taken aback by how the strength of feeling against Obamacare. I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, those people were just like red faced shouting at you know at me, and I was just asking you know just sort of information type questions, and people would just work themselves up about it so much for everything it represented. When I hear people from Massachusetts complaining about Obamacare, it it throws me through loops because it's like, bro, we've had Obamacare for twenty years, like. We had it for 10 years before Obama. Like, what are you talking about? So many yeah. people will just fight their position to the death. Even if they're yeah. confronted with you know, objective fact, they will just, they will just fight their corner because they're very hyped up. I think that's a really difficult thing, though, isn't it, with, with, with these sorts of views that are so increasingly polarized because I'm pro-Euro and anyone that 
talks to me about Brexit, I find it almost impossible to have a reasoned debate with them because there's not a single scenario in which I will see their point of view and change my views from being pro-Euro to pro-Brexit. And I think that like that's a maybe a slightly bigger issue than a lot of the things that people you know lock horns over in other political areas. But I don't think that's part of the problem that you know you're entrenched in your views, you subscribe to the same echo chamber that other similarly thinking people do, and there's just no way anyone will change your view. We've talked to on this sh- on this on this show on this podcast before about um, just debates, you know, and um, and that obviously requires one to hear the other person's point of view. And we were saying that you know we w- grew up and uh, at our school we're kind of encouraged in a way to to have that type of conversation and to sort of then make your mind up based on what you thought and what you've learned from the other person or what you think what they think they believe. And so actually. Yeah, if that was the way we all communicated, it, it, <laughs> I think a lot of the conflict would disappear immediately. You can now have that conversation about like, listen, I get your anxieties, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about single payer healthcare in the US and it's, and you know, people are like, oh, you know, death camps and, and the government's going to tell you, you know, what to do. And it's like, well, I get your anxiety on that. But like, what does, what does insurance companies do now? Insurance companies deny people healthcare things out of profit margins, not because of you shouldn't have it. You know, what's the difference between the government doing it but the government's going to be doing it cheaper, like cheaper. There's plenty of people that like, there's plenty of conservatives friends that I have that are like, Oh, I'm their liberal friend that they come and ask me questions when they don't understand a liberal point of view. Like, Oh, Biden said this and they'll come to me. I'm like, well, he didn't say this. He actually said this, this, and this. And they're like, okay, that makes more sense. I pistol whipped yeah, someone last sure. night. Was that the right thing to do, Tony? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some people that can't be saved. You mentioned earlier about your concerns about civil war and you think that it'll happen in your lifetime and so on. So I'm going to disagree with that because so I'm a, I'm a student of French history. And the one thing I learned about the revolution in 1789 over in France was that People revolted, not because they wanted to, but because they had no choice, because it was the only option that was available to them. And that's the thing that I think you guys don't have. I I think there is an option available to you, which is A, your democratic process, and B, the fact that, relatively speaking, life's pretty easy in America compared to 18th century France. Yes. You're talking, so now we're having a conversation about what, what reality is and what perception of reality is, right? So the reality is, yes, living in America is not that bad. The liberal and conservative policies that are going on right now are not that bad. The perception, though, is that it, is, it isn't. I think the last poll showed 20% of the country don't, doesn't believe that Trump lost. And these people are, are fucking crazy. They honestly think that the Democratic Party pushed the election away from Trump and stole it and gave it to Biden, which by the way, if the Democratic Party did that but also didn't kick out Mitch McConnell or all these other conservatives, like why would we cheat for just getting Biden and not cheat to like win the Senate completely? But so these people, this twenty percent of the population that think that Trump actually won, they're also the same people who are like living in fear of liberals. They think we're destroying the country and we're doing it on purpose. Now, imagine if you thought somebody in your country was trying to destroy your country, your livelihood, everything that you've stood for, and feel like they're losing their country, they fight back. Again, is that the reality? No, but the perception. I agree with you, but 
transposing it into this country, right? So, Josh, Johnny, you know, I'm interested in, in your in your take on this, right? So, I can get pretty pissed off with life. Now, right now, I'm particularly angry with White Link, the Isle of Wight ferry service, right? I, I'm not going to lie, right? <laughs> You're always it, angry at them, man. Me, I, I'm very angry at, at White Link ferry service. If you're listening, White Link, fuck you. How much for you a know, coffee if, now, Matt? Is it above I, five pounds? Me, I... I Honestly, don't even get me started. I'd have to be on the boat to have the coffee, put it that way, you know. And they probably wouldn't take cards under a certain amount. They probably charge me a 20% uplift to use my card. And they make me sit in a certain part of the boat because I didn't buy the premium ticket to go for 35 minutes. Anyway, if I had access to a, a submarine and a, a willing crew of equally disgruntled Isle of Wight immigrants, I would captain that fucking ship and I would torpedo the ferry not with people on it of course so wait till they were just moving it for the night right but this plan would, would only work if the weather was quite nice the sea wasn't too rough it wasn't freezing cold and, and i think that's generally what the crooks of the problem is in this country and I'm, and I'm guessing america's the same fundamentally the population are pretty lazy we like to rant and rave and write aggressive posts on facebook but when it comes to getting off your butt in the middle of the night taking arms in wind and rain and going manning barricades at all, all times and of day. singing really irritating songs. Yeah, you know, singing songs about empty chairs, empty tables, and generally fighting the good fight. We're going to opt for a pizza and Love Island and some chuntering over death, you know? It's the great pacifier. And, and again, yeah. I, get, I get that argument, right? But what I would say, what I would say to that is these, the, this 20% this, that think that Trump didn't lose. And out of those people, how many of them are actually armed and are like veterans? And like, we have militia groups that are doing, that are training right now for the civil war. If it happens or not talking about the revolutionary war, only 15% of the colony's population was for the revolution. How many of them were actually soldiers? You know, so you're really only talking about you only need 15% of the population to not be that lazy. Great Britain was, or the UK was a global superpower of its time and a bunch of disgruntled people who, which again, if you think, if you look at the revolution, like it, what they were disgruntled about was kind of bullshit, right? So like, you know, the, you guys came over to help us fight the French and Indian war and then you guys got bankrupt. So you were like, oh, we got to tax the colonists because we protected them. And the colonies were like, nah, fuck this. You know what I mean? <laughs> to me, like it seemed so like it does sound ungrateful. I get the idea <laughs> of taxation, no taxation without representation. I do think that was fucked up on your part. I gotta tell you. But that being said, the whole idea of paying for a war that was fought doesn't seem that bad to me. It's almost like the same thing where it's like, oh, your life isn't that bad. You're just upset about first world problems. And that's kind of what's going on now. These people feel oppressed and they feel attacked. Something up to 15% of them are the not lazy people and they have guns and they have training, they could start a civil war. Would they win? I don't know. Your country's vast compared to ours. I mean, you know, the Isle of Wight militia is pretty fierce. You know, we can join up at a click of a finger. Um, (laughs) We'd get our pitchforks and we'd be right on the, you know, in the port of cows, scuttling anything that came across the water, no trouble. But, you know, in the US, you're 15% of the population, right? So that's, you know, Albuquerque, that's Alaska, that's, I don't know, Massachusetts. Do you know what I mean? It's like pretty spread out 15%. You guys have got to get together. You guys have got to coordinate. You've got a lot of work to do to actually start anything meaningful. 
Yeah, but think about our power grid. Our power grid's based off in districts, and they uh, and they're only in certain spots. If you took out, if you were able to take out one of the power grids at a certain at a centralized location, even if you took out one, if you were able to organize enough to go take out one of our power grids, which is only a facility, and take it out, you just shut down power to the whole East Coast, which is where all our mil- where all our our weapons and all our things are, and all our population is. You take that out, people are going to starve. They're going to go hungry. They're not going to be able to see. They're going to get cold. They're going to get hot. That could significantly cause a problem, and that won't take a lot of people to do. Um, on the East Coast, people were putting gas inside um, like plastic bags and taking them home to hoard it because they were afraid there wasn't going to be any. You could have a small group of people who were tactical enough and understood strategic points that could cause a lot of problems. And plus, you've got to remember, all of all the liberals in this country, the majority of them sit on the East Coast and the West Coast, and all the conservatives kind of sit in the middle. You know, all it takes is them to have a couple guns and no one else to, to cause massive damage. Sounds like you're giving it a lot of thought, Tony. I mean, it sounds like you've got some blueprints and, you know. I'm in the middle of writing a story, like a, a fiction book, about the U.S. 20 years down the line after a civil war happened and um, we got bought out by Russia. Is it about this general, this militia general called Toby, who, who lives in <laughs> a place called Bridgewater? You know, he, he leads an underground militia to take up arms against the, the oppressive state. <laughs> Is that what it's about, Tony? It's <laughs> hilarious. Taunton Matters, are we in shape to give it the Somerset? We can try. I mean, I've got to say, though, I've been looking at Taunton Matters quite extensively because it's obviously been, you know, a little gap since we last recorded. And there's some boring stuff. There's a lot of things like lost keys, <laughs> a lot of lost keys, people still saying, going down to the race course to get vaccinated. Is the bus still running? Things like this. So anyway. <laughs> is that all code though? Is it some sort of you know, special code that, that Tony's been putting together? Like the Sangle Land de Violent d'Automne in, in the Invasion of Normandy, they put out some meaningless messages on the radio, which actually meant that they had to take up arms against uh, the government. <laughs> is, is that what's going on here? As a non-Taunton resident, I can only cast aspersions that yes, it is. The next English civil war is, is starting in Taunton as we speak. People are meeting in darkened rooms, um, arming themselves with pitchforks and anything they get their hands on in the absence of guns. Yeah, because of the, the monitoring of the deep web, they've actually started to use a website called smoothmyballs.com to pass <laughs> surreptitious <laughs> messages across right. the different militia groups. Or just to buy their merchandise as weapons. You know. <laughs> if, you, if you were face to face with one of those, you might just back away and let them take yeah. what they wanted. Yeah. The cause of death was indicated to be death by turf chopper. <laughs> Straight out of the mean streets of SW8, Superman's best friend, Dan Carter's life coach and the man they call the face of Specsavers. The wire-avoiding international man of mystery, Josh. This is Taunton Matters. It's a beautiful thing. Never ceases to amaze me. So anyway, Taunton Matters this week, as I said, you know, it, it's a mixed bag. It's a big step down from pistol whipping and, and this kind of thing. But <laughs> I'll, the, be over, the, I'll be underwhelmed. Be, yeah, prepare yourself for, for five minutes or so of underwhelmment. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You've really built it up now. I know, I know. There's a group called, this sort of plays right into it. This is what they're busy doing. There's a Taunton Neighborhood Policing Group. 
who who are sort of how it starts who are posting real time yeah exactly who are posting real time about you know the sort of things they've been called out for the sort of things they're dealing with in the mean streets of Taunton Somerset and one of them is a picture <laughs> it's I'm sorry it's not even a picture it's a it's a video of them approaching a pothole it says officers are currently at, at a large pothole in Hammett Street which we are looking into <laughs> please be aware if you're due to travel along this road so <laughs> <laughs> the drama the drama is mounting as you can tell um, <laughs> someone called uh, Lydia Burton is is asking can anyone help us source some pallets um, she's yeah she'd be extremely grateful if anyone knows where she can buy some pallets and she's helpfully put a picture of some pallets like a sort of you know stock image of a <laughs> Three pallets. <laughs> um, what does you want to do with these pallets? Have we got any info on that? That is actually unknown. I mean, it could be some kind of barricade um, <laughs> for, the, for the revolution. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, this guy called uh, Daniel Mumby has posted up, and this is from Somerset Live: new dog training facility near Major Town, which is a bit sort of elusive. They could sort of give us a bit more. Um, information it says if your dog has behavioral problems this could be a huge help but then the picture that they've used is is there's a picture of a horse in a field (laughs) 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 lou's gone now but um this is one for her another one uh you know the taunton neighborhood policing and there's just a picture this is obviously nothing to celebrate because everyone can't stand these people there's basically a um a police officer with a, sp- a speed gun so i'd say to lou if you're driving through taunton watch out and then <laughs> she she likes to drive she likes to drive at speed someone called lynn morley is saying who remembers when the antiques roadshow came to taunton in 1995 do you guys remember that i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's, the Antiques Roadshow in Massachusetts is probably, you know, I don't know, like a, a Mars bar or something from 1980. That's considered like an <laughs> antique in America, isn't it? Like, well, we, have, we have like the flea markets. I guess that would be like a, a, a antique show. Only a piece of, uh, of wrought silver or like some fine jewelry. Yeah, that. there you go. Yeah, a piece of uh, Queen Elizabeth's platter or whatever it was that she was given that, that we stole from Massachusetts at some point, probably. I don't remember the Antiques Roadshow going to Taunton. No, I expect my mother probably went. I'm sure we can find it on some archive. Find what treasures came out of Taunton. Was it at Della's um, Wharf? Yeah, yeah it's probably, I don't know where it was, probably in Vivery Park or something. Where would it have been held, do you reckon? Maybe it was at school. <laughs> Maybe it was, yeah. There's someone here complaining about the litter problem in Taunton. And it's quite funny. And this guy's chipped in saying, if anyone's feeling angry enough to help to do something about it, why not join the Tidy Up Taunton's uh, litter picking community? Although I do admire those people. But they name one of the hotspots for litter as Chip Lane. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Tony, Chip Lane was was a place we used to frequent as teenagers. It was strictly off limits and came with all these scare stories of ambushes and pistol whippings and you know, general, general, what have you? Yeah, g- general gangbangers lurking around every corner. So, yeah, pretty dangerous place, Chip Lane. Do you guys have like gangbanger problems like we do here? Like, is that a thing in Europe? Like, I'm sure you guys have like gangs, but like, I feel like they're probably not as scary because like we have all these guns. They tend to just stab each other. Basically, the gangs just go around stabbing other gangs, and they keep themselves themselves. Otherwise, 
Do they do drive-by stabbings? Like we have drive-by shootings? Like just drive-by and throw knives at people? Yeah, it's just yeah, much, pretty much. much harder. There's definitely, yeah, a knife problem, but it tends to be sort of sort of gang on gang stuff. I think all the, the sort of UK street gangs probably model themselves on thinking that they've got the same kind of amount of street cred as the American ones, but they basically don't. It's like, it's, it's really funny with like the gun debate here too. I, I don't mean to kind of go off on a tangent, but like, People talk about like, oh, in England they still have crime. People stab people. Like I, I, that's like a common thing brought up when people talk about like gun control. People are going to kill people anyways. I'm like, yeah, but if someone has a pistol, they can kill way more efficiently than a knife can. Like it takes a lot of energy to stab someone. I would say you have to get so up close and personal to stab someone. It's sort of pretty brutal, isn't it? I mean, it's all pretty brutal. And you can only stab so many people before other people run away. If you're running away from someone with a gun, like you, you got to get out. Like you got to get out of the way. If you're running away from someone with a knife, you just got to be faster than the slowest person. Yeah. True. Get them. They're slow. <laughs> Stab that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh you guys God. laugh, but like I, where I live right now in New Bedford, there's like a stabbing and shooting every week, and it's like a block away from my house. Yeah. We don't have that where I live, thankfully. People on our page are talking about running over kids on bikes because they're crossing roads. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh, <laughs> When it first started getting hot out, kids were on their bikes and they're trying to ride from one side of the city to the other. And someone took a video of like 10 kids riding a bike crossing a main street safely. And people were like, oh, I would have ran them over. They're driving like punks. I'm like, they're crossing the street. Oh what, what do you mean? <laughs> you guys want to just run over children? Like, yeah. What the fuck? We could post some lighthearted requests and quirky messages on, um, on, your, on your website, if you like, to see if it lightens the mood. <laughs> yeah. you, know what you, you know what you should do is like start posting about stuff from Taunton, england on yeah. there and just act like it's yeah. normal so exactly. people get super confused yeah. people just start wondering <laughs> like, about they're like oh yeah there's, there's a pothole on the street what are we going to do about it as a community you know <laughs> <laughs> we bury a that's, cyclist that's in that's you know what's even you know what's you know what's even better to think about we have an improving taunton page right so improving taunton and all these stories i've told you have been on improving taunton but there was a group of people who got fed up with the censorship from the ta- of Improving Taunton page. So they created Improving Taunton Uncensored. And that's even worse. I'm going to have to check this out. Um, someone called Sophia Goldston just spotted a dead, long-haired black cat on the grass opposite Stone Gallows. Oh, God. Oh. Looks like someone has placed him there. So that's sad news for that cat. That'll end up on the menu in the Hungry Hall. Yeah, exactly. He's just over the road. <laughs> was it killed with a nail gun? That's what I would have yeah, done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was killed by a deep fat fryer. Uh, <laughs> Served with a surprise. Exactly. And a pint of ice. Apparently it was, it's volunteers week this week. And it's just a big shout out to all the people who've been volunteering all over Taunton. So yeah, it's basically a, a shout out to the volunteers during volunteer week. Well done. Well done. Well done, Thank you. Thank you for your service. So, yeah. There you go. Taunton matters. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. So, Listen. anyway, someone put out a gun and pistol at someone. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I told you the story, Matt, and you turned around and said, yes, the more American, the better. <laughs> yeah, I was that... cracking up for like a day. Tony, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Obviously, you've got your own podcast, and it's only fair that I give you the opportunity to steal some of our audience for your own <laughs> gains. So, there'll be a few people out there tonight that are thinking, you know what? I'm sick to death of cat stories. I want to go and find out where the real shit happens. So, Tony. <laughs> Tell, tell us a bit about your show. So uh, our show is called Fireside Society. The name we got from FDR, who used to do these these chats on the radio back during the World War II, and they were called Fireside Chats. 
So our show is called Fireside Society. We're kind of like sporadic with our shows. We have like four or five up right now. It's all basically politics and like stories kind of surrounding politics going on in our area and abroad. Like we just had a, a politician come on our show the other day and he's a, he's actually Jewish American. He studied abroad in Jerusalem and we actually had a 10 minute conversation about what's going on in Jerusalem and, and uh, the Gaza Strip right now. So we, that's kind of the things we talk about. You know, there's me and Brian are the two hosts. We try to get a guest on every week to like talk about different things. If anyone listened to me today and wants to hear some more stuff, come check us out. It's Fireside Society. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on um, YouTube is where our videos are posted. And I hope we get some new listeners, maybe someone from across the pond who wants to know the craziness what's going on in the American political system. Well, that takes us to the end of a very international show. Thanks so much for listening. This episode's local business shout-out goes to the Taunton Brewhouse Theatre and Arts Centre. After a very tough couple of years, the theatre has worked hard to maintain some performances and with doors now open, why not get down there and support an important centre of local arts and acting talent? This was straight from the hot tower.